Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good to see my beautiful daughters made it back. All right. How many feel alive? How many feel good? I don't know that we got all the lights turned up. Can we crank all the lights up? It feels, I, I feel like just a little bit of darkness out there. And I don't mean you, all right? Don't, don't, all you intercessors and prophetic people out there, don't read into that. If it is dark, you came into the right place because Jesus is light and he's here. We're good? All right. So uh, we started a series a couple weeks ago, His Presence Transforms Blank. First week, week one, we went into mindsets. And, uh, and we talked about, um, we, we talked about these, this, these mindsets of, of the old wineskins and the new wineskins, okay? And we talked about how like, God is literally, Jesus, he says, he says uh, uh, he's sitting in heaven, and he's saying, come up here and let me show you great and mighty things. Now, God wants you to see from his perspective. God wants you to see from the heavenlies with his goggles, his glasses, his lenses on. And, and, and it's this, this amazing thing about mindsets and how we see things. And, and then last week we went into God transforms. His presence transforms marriages, relationships and marriages. So just in honor of last week, if your spouse is around, give them a kiss. Instead of amens last week, we did kisses. So it was a good place to be in the house of the Lord last week if you were married. Because you got to get fresh with your significant other. So, but anyway, this week we're going to continue on. We're going to continue on. His presence transforms people. And, and let, me just, let me just open with this. How many were fans, or currently are maybe, of Transformers? How, how many? Any Transformers fans? So, so we have, the, in November of 1984, and this might make you feel very old. It might make you feel very young. I was four years old. A couple months prior, just celebrated my fourth birthday. Transformers comes out. And, and this is slightly distorted image of Transformers. But, but you have Optimus Prime there. You have Bumblebee there. And you have these things. And, and they were intended to be like road legal, right? They're cruising down the road. The freight liner's going. And then all of a sudden, and he's got this big machine gun. And he's ready to, to like battle it out. Right? Just like any hero, any, any, any Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or whatever side of that fence you're on, I don't know. But all of a sudden now they're ready to fight for justice, fight for righteousness, to have purpose. All of a sudden they were transformed from one thing into another. And, and let me just say that, that in God, in the kingdom, in, in, our, in the world here, you were designed to be transformed from something, to be transformed for something. From and to. Like you were, you were designed to be put on this earth. We were born into sin. We were born into this mess. But God has a perfect plan for you. And he loves you. And you are being assigned something. Now this worship and, and what we do here and, and how this all is. It's this beautiful picture of what heaven's like. Man. All I like a picture when we're singing all hail King Jesus is this beautiful, absolutely amazing Jesus who walks into this throne room and isn't demanding honor or authority, but he's so beautiful. He just gets it. 
Like he, and I'm thinking, man, you've created all the heavens and the earth. You've created everything. And here you are in your glory. And we get to, to bow down and submit to you and say, all hail King Jesus. I had a pastor friend this week post on Facebook. He said, he said he, somebody asked him, why does worship sometimes last so long? You know, why did we stay on that song for 10, 12 minutes? Because people who are in love aren't in a hurry. Let it marinate. You, you build that connection. You're on the phone. You're texting. You're doing the emoticon love stories with your wives or your girlfriends or your fiancés, right? You're, you're doing this. You're building that. You're wanting intimacy and connection and emotional and heart connection. It's the same thing with the Lord. And that's the alignment. The alignment is from being still and knowing He's God. The alignment is, 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 is riding that road and resting and just worshiping Him. And the alignment is absolutely for the assignment to go. And all of a sudden, Optimus Prime. And now I'm ready to fight. And now I'm ready to go. And, and, and it's like Michael and Kendra, they're, they're going. They're, they're going. They're, they're, they have this alignment for, for their assignment. And they're going to figure out what that is and what that's like. Now, they don't, they don't have a plan. <laughs> the, the plan is coming. But it's kind of like Abraham. Go to a land that I'll show you. Where's the plan, God? Don't have one. Just go. It's kind of like them. And, and Sarah Selman, she's here, and, and she leads our coffee shop. And um, Sarah, could you just wave? We won't call you up or embarrass you too much. But for the last two years, she's been leading and managing the coffee shop that we have close connection with as upper room called Grounds for Pleasure. Her and her husband, they just feel like going. Like God told us to go, we're going to go. And, and, and they're going to North Carolina, and they're going on this assignment from the alignment that God's birthed in their heart. And, and it's the same thing. We can go through story after story. Some are staying local. Some are going. Most, you, the rest of you are staying here. Okay? Done. I don't want to send anybody else. It's hard. I remember Rick Warren saying, no matter how big his church got, it's always hard to send or lose somebody. Always. And it never gets easy. It never gets easy. But sometimes we build. We build. Christopher and Christy are here with their beautiful daughter edition. So... We ask that you welcome her from afar. Maybe blow a kiss. Google and aga from, from afar, but welcome. Look at her. So beautiful. Look at that hair. Like, she's only like a week and a half old at best, right? One week. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. So, Nicole, she's like five weeks. I'm not going to church for five weeks. So, but hey, could you just stretch your hands out to Sarah? And let's, let's bless her. I, I think she might be here next week, um, but in case she's not, uh, we want to bless her and J her husband Jeremy and their going. So God, we just commission them that they are being transformed in your presence to go. There's a lot of unknown. They don't know why. They just know they're supposed to go. So God, you just show up in a mighty way, and you show up in a beautiful way in this journey, in their life, in their story, God, and make it so powerful for your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Abundance and blessing. So, transformers. Now, now let me go to scripture here. Okay? Because you're being transformed from something to be transformed for something. 1 Samuel 10.6. It says this. Let me hydrate for the rest of this. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. And you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, will rush upon you, will fill you up. You will prophesy with them, and you will be turned into a totally different person. How many believe that in His presence we're transformed to be different than we ever were before? Let me just share this. 13 years ago in one month, 
I was an atheist, didn't believe in God. Those of you who are here all the time, you hear this all the time. Those of you who aren't, you're going to hear it. Because this is my story for God's glory. 13 years ago, an atheist didn't believe in God. I simply said, God, if you're real, prove it. That's all I said. And man, one moment in his presence, one moment in, 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 a, in a glimpse of him, all of a sudden changes everything that you ever thought. It changes everything in the way you believe, your theology, your philosophies, your opinions, your, your viewpoints, your heart, your mind. It changes everything. One moment in his presence will change you for a lifetime. You may remember this message tomorrow. You may not remember it by Friday. But a moment in his presence has, has got me to where I am, and I never forget that 13 years later. It never gets any easier to talk about because it was so powerful. Now, I can't live off of that. I can't live off of yesterday's bread. I need fresh encounters, and I'm always pursuing fresh encounters and welcoming Holy Spirit to give me fresh encounters. But here's the deal. One moment in his presence will rewire you and transform you in every area for a lifetime. The Spirit will come upon you. You'll prophesy with them. And you'll be a different person. Here, let's, let's go into this. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or new creature. And it says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let me just tell you. I'm going to give you a list of scriptures that say the same thing. That he's making all things new. Okay? Isaiah 43.18, Isaiah 43.19, Isaiah 65.17, Ephesians 2.15, Ephesians 4.24, Hebrews 8.13, and Revelations 21.5 says this. Revelations 21.5 says this version. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Listen, God is making all things new. He's taking what was old and making it new. He's taking this old person. He, he took a cutter and he took a kid that was confused and he brings them together. They make this beautiful little girl called Honora. Now they're pursuing a dream that's being transformed in his glory. Takes a little heathen like me who was a drunk and an adulterer and an atheist and a depressed, angry person and transforms him into this joy-filled, hope-filled amazing man. And I don't say that because of me. I say it's because Christ is in me and I can say that I'm amazing because Jesus resides in me. I'm not arrogant about that, but I'm proud of that. That's the same thing with each one of you. Like, it's not this measurement of perfection. It's this measurement of, of progress. Like, wow, but God. I've worked with so many heroin addicts and there's relapses and there's these journeys and there's these hardships. And I'm just telling you right now, like, there's these letdowns and there's these frustrations. But God. And every time a heroin addict or a crack addict or whatever would come back to me or a drunk and say, like, this is the time. Guess what I did every time? I believe him. Why? Because I believe in the God of miracles and I believe in the God of his presence transforming people forever. And they're one encounter away from being changed forever. The people in your life are unsaved. The marriage that, you, that, has, that has hopelessness in it, whatever it might be, it is one encounter away in His presence from being transformed for eternity. There is no hopeless situation. There is nothing that's not, that God can't do. And, and I'm a walking billboard for Him to prove that. There's something really powerful in here right now. It's kind of embarrassing to even try to talk right now. <laughs> I like what Micah said. He's here. Like, he's here. There's an encounter here for you today. His presence is here today, and it's not because of the word I'm giving. It's because he's just here. 
I'm going to stir some things up here. I'm going to fuel some things, but his fire is already here. Let's just try to add some gasoline to it. Don't ever do that at home. In a natural. Tip City. I, I met this really amazing couple. They've been coming here for a little while, but they were part of the gathering on Thursday night. And uh, they spent some time in New York City, and she's a, she was a model. And, and uh, they have this business now. She has this business called New Creation Artwork. And it's this cool thing. And she was telling me the vision of it. And she was saying it's to make old things into new. She repurposes furniture. She takes 150-year-old windows and paints on them and puts scripture on them. Then they pray over each piece that goes out that they sell that it would be a blessing into the home or the wall it's going to hang on or the room it's going to sit in and the people that it's going to. It's called New Creation, based on the same concept. I don't know if you knew this, but Tip City was founded as a red light district. <laughs> Tip City's existence formed to be brothels, prostitution, and bars. And then it actually became this racist place that African Americans wouldn't even drive through. Like that's, that's part of the foundation of Tip City. And, and, and there was Hyattsville right around this area. We were sitting on Hyattsville. Tippecanoe was founded downtown on the canal. And it was founded as a red light district. Like for, for very bad things. But how many believe that God takes really bad things and makes it into really good things? How many believe that Tip City has a destiny for this region? We'll go to different conferences and people will call us out, not even knowing where we're from. We're like, we believe you're part of a place and, it's, and it's, you're in a tipping point. And you're supposed to be a catalyst for the region to take old things and make them new. Tip City is now known for its art and creativity and its, and its antiques. Listen, we are called to be a people, a church, a people, you, to take old things, repurpose them, and make them new. What God's doing in us. Not only in this city, but the city you come from, the city you're commissioned to, the workplace you're commissioned to, the marriage that you're in, the kids that you have. Like, you're commissioned in His presence being transformed so that you can be transformers. That, that's, that's what's happening. That's who you are. It's why you're here. It's good stuff. We're supposed to be catalysts. We're supposed to be not just thermometers, but thermostats changing the environment. Freely we receive, freely we give. Now suddenly my client, suddenly the, the person I'm working with, suddenly the person ringing me out feels the presence of Jesus because I'm so full up, I'm just leaking out because of his goodness. My cup runneth over. That means I get to splash all over the people around me with his goodness. I want it to flow out and bubble over and flow and splash and spurt out like the fountain of youth. Yeah. Like, Whoa, what's that? Remember Peter? Like, people were healed in his shadow. He was so full of Jesus. Like he just walked through. People were healed. What just happened to me? I want to be so full of Jesus and so transformed in his very nature. We're being transformed in his likeness. That when I just walk into a room, people feel better. I want to leave this place better than I found it, and I want to take as many people with me to heaven as I can. That's my life agenda. Like, first few months of me being saved, I had this nighttime dream. And I had this dream where I'm ascending to heaven, like the Lord had returned as the rapture, and, 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 and I'm ascending to heaven, and I'm trying to reach down to family and friends and try to pull them up. And, and I'm, I'm trying to pull them up, and what's happening is I can't, and they're just slipping off like this. And person after person, I'm just trying to reach down and pull them up. And I woke up in sweats and like, it's time to fight, you know. I'm, 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 I want to take them. Like, what's happening? And I woke up just so distraught. And from that moment forward, I said, Lord, 
I'm yours. The rest of my life will be spent from bringing heaven to earth and bringing as many people from earth to heaven with me as possible. Last week, if you weren't here, all of a sudden, we started praying. Like, we had this creative friend, and this is weird. Are you guys ready for a weird story? This creative friend, he's in Amish country. In Amish, um, they need a touch of Jesus, and they need a touch of, of the supernatural to understand he's really a loving, kind God, not just a God focused on rules. So they're former Amish, and they lead this church, and they're really amazing. And they started seeing this outbreak of gold teeth come in, and gold fillings fill people's metal in their mouth that were mercury and would become toxic later on. One instance, a guy had multiple cavities, couldn't afford dental work, so all of a sudden, they said, well, just check them, see, what, see if God did something right there. All, every one of his cavities were full of gold when he went back to the dentist to confirm it. Wow. Amen. Wow. Why? I don't know. It's meeting a need. It's cheaper. It's a whole lot less work than getting your teeth drilled on. Like, he's a great physician. And the Bible calls him great physician. Why would he not do gold teeth? In Psalms it says, God sits in heavens and does as he pleases. Why does he do gold teeth? Because he wants to. The other thing is, if the streets are made of gold, then maybe it's a taste of heaven. So... There's these things. So 11. Now we're up to 11 fillings since last Sunday. We just shared the story. Had people start checking their teeth. Eight in service happened. Wow. 11 a.m. last week. Share the story. Another one that night. Another one through the week. Another one the night before that we found out about. Like all this stuff. So we're up to 11. I say it for the 9 a.m. I was like, hey, 9 a.m.ers. I don't want to leave you out. This is what happened at the 11 a.m. last week. God put gold teeth in people's mouth. It's confirmed by dentists. Like we're, this is happening. So you start checking. 11 more this morning. So check your fillings right now. If you have metal fillings, have your spouse or somebody close to you. Check your fillings. Check them. Let's just see if God will do it again. We used to sing this song. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. You may not know how. You may not know why. But he'll do it again. Do we have any? Just check them. See if there's any gold. I know there's at least going to be at least one. Just, just, to, just to be fun. Any gold? Angie got one last week. My dad got one last week. Um, I think Gail. Gail, wherever she is, got one. Several. Are there any? Just look. You just got one? Yep. Any others? That was better than going to the dentist, wasn't it? Are there any others? Listen, the Bible talks about signs, wonders, and miracles. I find it interesting that we will read the Bible. We'll be cool. You just got one? One or more? It's two. Any others? It's in the activation of the faith of just checking. We didn't pray. We're just partnering with heaven, what he wants to do. Do some more, Lord. Are there any others? One final time. Okay. It's just check. Just check. Now, I will say this. We had about five, four initially. We had a couple more last week. And then we had more that night and more through the week. So we're up to 24 gold fillings in two weeks. That's fun. Why is God doing it? I don't know. Meets a need. But I think it's just fun. Can't be scared. We didn't plant these people. You can go look. We've got pictures. We're taking pictures of them. Please take pictures. Make sure. He's a God of great exploits. 
which means he likes to be exploited. So brag about it. Tell people. Last week I said he's not just a great physician, he's a DDS doing d dapper stuff. Okay. Let's move on here because I want to talk about some more things. So here's the thing. You're being transformed in his presence. There'll be an actual conversion where you witness signs and wonders. You witness a feeling. You feel something. It's tangible. He is not a distant God that doesn't want to encounter you. He's not this distant God that says, oh, yeah, just, just do what's right and I'll love you. No, like he wants to be intimate with you and one with you and he wants to abide with you where you actually can feel his presence. After 9 a.m., there was this blanket of peace that was just in the room. Like, it was overwhelming. It was so comforting. Like, I just wanted to kind of just, like, curl up in a ball and just, like, so good. Like, that's how good he is. But let me talk about some convergence in the, in the Bible here. Let's talk about Saul. Go with me to Acts 9.1. For the sake of time, I may have to fast forward through some of these. Why does God do funny things? I don't know. But I like it. I used to doubt all this stuff. I used to think it was all a show until I started to experience it. Amen. Now, here's the deal. Jesus in the Bible will believe this. It says that he did so many miracles, a series of books can't contain all the miracles Jesus did while he was here on earth. A couple chapters later, greater works you'll do than what Jesus did. We read that, we believe it. But why don't we walk in it? Is gold teeth greater works? Yep, didn't read that one in the Bible. Must be the greater works. Removing metal from body, bodies. Bruce's wife, Catherine. Catherine, big part of our church here. She's here. All of a sudden, she can't dance. She can't, she can't pivot her foot a certain way. Somebody calls out. Anybody got metal in their body? God wants to remove metal. All of a sudden, she can no longer feel her screw. And it's gone. And now she can pivot and dance and jump and do all those things she couldn't once do. Why does God do that? Because he loves his sons and daughters. That's the answer. It's love. Love is the only thing that motivates the Lord to do what he does. He loves you. Now, the question I have is, where's all that metal stored up? Like, is there going to be a mountain of metal when we get to heaven? I'm going cl to climb Mount Metal. It's going to be fun. Acts 9.1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who would belong to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul, persecutor of the church, a naysayer, an expert theologian, an expert um, um, Sadducee, all right? He's being trained by the greatest of the greats and he's persecuting the church. Here we are, verse 3. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I find that interesting. Who are you, Lord? He knew it was the Lord. The only thing he could be is the Lord. But he's asking, who, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now here's what happens. He tells him to go meet Ananias. He's blinded now. All right, He's blinded by this encounter. The presence comes. It says his friends stood in awe. They could hear what was being said, but they couldn't see anybody there. So Paul's knocked down. He's blinded. He says, and then he goes and Jesus tells Ananias, now there's going to be a, a man coming to you. Lay hands on him. He'll have his sight recovered. So here's what, what happens. 
in a vision, 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Acts 13.9. But Saul, going to Acts 13.9, but Saul, who is also now called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Listen. All of a sudden, Paul is knocked down. How many have had to have the experience to be knocked down before you could be built up? You're meant to go from glory to glory, upgrade to upgrade, faith to faith. But as Bishop Garlington says, sometimes there's hell in the hallway. Sometimes we get knocked down and he was blinded. That way, after the encounter and with being filled with the Holy Spirit, he would see differently when his sight was restored. His name was changed. God's presence changes people. Let's move on to the next one, Moses. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware of his face, was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community come back to him and spoke to him. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given them at Mount Sinai. 33. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And he came out and told the Israelites when he had commanded. They saw that the face, his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until, until he went in to speak with the Lord. Listen, not only does God change your name and make you see differently, he also changes the way you look and you feel to people. All of a sudden, Moses would go up on this mountain. Now, 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 let me just put perspective here. Moses had a speech impediment. He had a stuttering problem. But yet God's picking him to be the spokesperson for the Israelites. I love it when God picks the least likely to do the most absurd, amazing things. He picks natural people, transforms them in his presence, and lets them do supernatural things. He takes the nobodies and makes them into somebodies. He takes the zeros and makes them into heroes. Yeah. I was a nobody. I'm still a nobody. But God, in his amazing love, has made me a somebody. I want you to declare that right now. Say, I am a somebody. Listen, you are not a nobody. You are predestined for this moment for such a time as this. Jeremiah 29, 11, He has plans for you, plans for a hope, to prosper, plans for provision, favor for you. Like, He has got this amazing future for you. I don't care if you've got a stuttering problem. I don't care if you've got an attitude problem. I don't care if you've got an issue. I don't care if you've got bitterness. But God. And suddenly... I get knocked off a donkey and I can't see and then boom, I'm transformed in his presence. Move, moving on here. Jacob. Let's go. Genesis 32, 22 says this. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the... That's just way too much for me. Let me just be honest. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. How many believe that some things are just worth fighting for. I'm not letting go until I have my blessing. Give me my blessing. I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on, but give me my blessing. 
Listen, Elijah, he had to follow after Elijah. And Elijah says, yeah, you can have the mantle. You can have the double portion, but you can't take your eyes off of me. Then came a journey. Let me just say, he was out plowing a field. He put a cloak over him, signifying that he was a son of blessing. But it wasn't until after the journey, it wasn't after to the cost of covenant that he got the mantle, the double portion as a son of covenant. A son of inheritance. It was a son of blessing to a son of inheritance. Sometimes things are worth fighting for. Sometimes it's the encounter. And let me just tell you, the Bible does not, God does not want you to strive, perform, or get on this treadmill. More scripture memorization, more fasting I do, the more he'll love me. No, that's exhausting. Let me just tell you, those things are beneficial for the intimacy and the closeness with the Lord. Like they draw you near. They, they drown out a lot of distractions so that you can be closer to the Lord. But guess what? There's nothing you do or don't do that's going to make God love you any more or any less than he already does. And he proved it with the priceless gift he gave himself on the cross. He loves you. Loves you. Amazed by you. Adores you. Your picture's on his refrigerator in heaven. Like, he loves you. Like, he's bragging to the Father and he's bragging to the spirit. And he's bragging to the angels. Look at my boy. Look at my daughter. So we move on here. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go till you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but it will be Israel. For you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Sometimes through life, sometimes through that traumatic experience, through that divorce, through that addiction, sometimes we end up with a limp. You know what I've heard, though? Never trust anybody who doesn't have a limp. Sometimes it's that limp that gives us life, that that thing was worth fighting for. But guess what? I made it through. Sometimes it's this limp that reminds me of where I was, but it didn't keep me there because I'm still limping forward. Sometimes it's this limp that says, this is just what I needed. Like, God is not a punisher. God does not cause bad things to happen. That's not my theology. But all of a sudden when they happen, I've persevered because I've counted a joy. And I've kicked the devil in his teeth. And I might be limping. And if I limp anymore, I'm going to fall off the stage. <laughs> but it's the limp that built our character to persevere to the kingship. It was the limp that gave David the fortitude to slay the bear, the lion, the giant. To honor Saul, to worship the king of kings. He's saying, this one thing I desire. This one thing I ask. In a time of fleeing Saul's murder for his entire family, going from one nation to the next, he says, this one thing I ask, that I may dwell in your house forever and gaze on your beauty. Whew. Yeah, this firefighter cries, and I'm not ashamed of it. That I may gaze on your beauty. It wasn't safety. It wasn't provision. It wasn't, I was promised to be king, and this ain't fair. Saul's trying to murder me, and this ain't fair because I was supposed to be the king. No, he says that I may dwell with you, that I may fix my eyes on you, that I may be in wonder of you, that I may just host your presence and encounter you all the time. That was one, David's one thing he was asking. Let, let me move on here to Isaiah. Isaiah 6.1. This is the last one. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, had, two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. How many have ever tried to believe the lie that God is boring? Oh my goodness. OMG. God is not boring. My gosh, people walking through walls, teleportation, people being taken up in a whirlwind of fire, smoke filling a house and the earth shaking, people walking on water. Like, that's not boring. If anything's boring, we're boring for calling that boring. I've sunk many a times trying to walk on water. I've walked into a lot of walls praying for the ability to walk through a wall. It's not happened yet, but I'm still trying. It's faith of a mustard seed. I take my phone out, but I still try. Faith of a mustard seed. Filled the smoke and said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. There's an encounter that also convicts. He says, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king of the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And then it says this, verse 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And, and Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Listen, I just had this beautiful encounter. The presence of Jesus came in. It's powerful. Send me, Lord. You've proven yourself to me. You've confirmed it. You've touched my lips. Send me. Listen, I, I think that's what God's asking today. Just for us to be open to the encounter. To actually be hungry for an encounter with his presence. With gold teeth, with healings, with manifestations that we sometimes can't even explain. The devil can't do that. He can't give things that actually meets a, need, meets a need. He can't give things that are actually helpful. He's only a deceiver and a liar and an idiot. Like, that's the devil. We, we put him up on this pedestal. Oh, God and the devil. No, he's not even equivalent to an angel. God way far trumps that. Like, God is far superior and will never lose. He only does good things. God is only the God of life. So these things, it's like when there's an ailment, the Bible says pray this prayer three times. He says this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in where? Heaven. So if there's no sickness and sorrow and all these things in heaven, why can we not believe that God's will is for us to heal here? If it's his will and his prayer to tell us to pray that. Like, it's not, we don't have to ask God if this is your will, heal them. No, it is God's will. I don't know why he does or doesn't heal every time. I don't know that. It keeps me hungry for the more to try to figure it out. And it keeps me hungry for the more to pray for as many people as possible, see as many healings as possible. To see people come alive, to see people filled with joy, to see people transformed in his presence full of hope and full of Jesus. That's what the encounter should do. That's what the miracle should do. That's what the gold tooth should do. Lead them to an amazing Jesus confirming how good he really is. 
Not this God that other people told me about, but a God I get to experience. Not this God that was represented stupidly on, on TV, asking for this prayer cloth money or this oil money or this stupid stuff. I'm just being really real with you right now. Not this hypocritical God that the church that I went to when I was a kid didn't represent and, and flesh out well. That, that should have been flushed out, not fleshed out. Like, that's not the God who God is. He's not the God of the perception of some idiot who represented him wrong. Say amen to that. Amen. Like, God is this loving God. If you want to know God, study the 600 titles he is in the Word. Yeah. Study him. Figure him out. Like, he's not a... More people need to be preaching on the hope of Jesus and the power of his resurrection Instead of the glory of his sufferings, we get both, I get it. But enough is enough just fixing our eyes on trying to strive and perform and be good and be sinless. Grace doesn't give you permission to just do what you want. It puts a love inside you to propel you to want to do what's right. That's grace. Grace doesn't give me the permission to judge everybody else who's not where I think they should be. God's presence, His presence transforms people. You know what that means? It means I don't have to. It means I don't have to change a lifestyle. I don't have to change a person. I don't have to force them to do this. Let me just tell you this. In 13 years, I've learned a few things about ministry, and I've learned a few things about what's effective. Condemning people is not. Controlling people is not. <laughs> Pushing people down is not. But operating in love and honor and value and allowing God to take care of the messes, that's effective. Why don't you stand with me? The bank can come. Let me tell you the final chapter of this message. We went through Paul and Moses and Jacob. We went through Isaiah. Okay? Now let me tell you the story of you. God is transforming you in his presence. He's taking heroin addicts and making them into counselors. He's taking down and outers and making them into something. He's taking the, the, the people that have told you you're not smart enough to make you the geniuses of the earth. He's taking the people that said you didn't belong in a classroom and you need medication to be the inventors and the innovators of the world. Like he's calling you out for such a time as this to do some amazing things and you're being transformed in his very nature. Like his presence, this encounter. Whew. I don't want just a God I can talk about. I want a God I can walk with. I want a God that I can experience. I want a God that proves his love for me. Like, I love it when Nicole, she, she hugged me the other day. She's like, well, I can wrap my arms all the way around you now. I want a wife that shows I'm, I'm, I'm affirmation and like a touch guy. I'm like, like the more Nicole can kind of like do this stuff, I'm like, <sighs> like the puppy dog. I'm like, come on, rub me some more, hold my hand. That's me. That's, that's who I am. And I love her telling me how amazing I am. That's in the Lord, it's the same way. Like, I want the Lord to just lavish me with love. I, I want his affection. I want a personal touch. And each of you in your own way. It might be different things, but this is the God of the universe who can do this. Your love languages might be different. You might have different needs, different circumstances, different things in your life. But guess what? But God... God, I don't know your histories or your backgrounds on many of you, but I had a criminal record. But God, I tried suicide. But God, I was an adulterer and a drunk. But God, like God 
hold this mess of a kid out of nothing, out of hate and anger and resentment, all these things, mostly against religion, pull me up out of there to actually love on me, transform me, and mold me. And guess what I get to be proud to say today? He's still doing it. He's still molding me. He's still making me. He's still, he's still giving me revelation. He's still loving on me. I've not arrived at this place to say, I've arrived. Here I am. Be like me. The world would be so boring if you just tried to be like me. Listen, be you. Everybody else is already taken. I've spoke way too long now. I just want to pray for an encounter. Just hold your hands out. I'm going to pray that God's presence will be the greatest present you ever receive. So right now, just hold your hands up. If you want to close your eyes, that's great. Lord, we just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come right now. Holy Spirit, come. God, let us feel you. If you're real, Lord, prove it. That was my prayer 13 years ago, facing divorce. And it's still my prayer today, God. You are so real, so prove it. Right now, let people experience you right now in fresh ways. Just right now, just be open to this encounter, be open to his presence, just revealing himself. It might be a tingle in your fingers, it might be a blanket of warmth being put over you, maybe a touch, maybe a vision. We don't want to put a box on this, but whatever it might be, we just say yes, Lord. some form of like goosebumps or something on their head. God is transforming your mind right now. He's transforming your thoughts to no longer be a pessimist, but to be an optimist. And he's calling you out right now through this encounter, through this moment, through this confirmation. He's calling you out to bring positivity and joy all around you. Where you used to once be known as the complainer or the negative person, he's calling you now to change that system and be positive. Right now, if that's you, just, just receive that. Like, you feel something in your head, something in your hair, and he's calling you to transform your thoughts and be a transformer in that area. Somebody's getting a feeling in their left foot. Right now, somebody's getting a feeling in their left foot, some type of like vibration or, or tingling. He's calling you to be a dancer. He's calling you to dance beautifully before the Lord you to put down pride and put down reservations and put down walls just to dance before the Lord like David did. He's calling you to do this. The Bible talks about baptism of spirit and fire. Somebody's feeling warmth in their heart. Like literally in their chest area. There's warmth. You're feeling it come in like a liquid, like liquid love. There's something coming in your heart. He's calling you right now. He's transforming your heart. He's baptizing you in fire right you're never the same. You're going to leave here never the same. You're going to leave here as an all-consuming fire for Jesus. There's something happening in this atmosphere, folks. Transforming the 
people around us. Listen, I feel one more thing. There's a spirit, a ministry of reconciliation in here today. There's folks in here with, with kind of divided relationships or even with family members, maybe even children or parents. God is mending that right now. Like I fully believe this again, that, that God is going to confirm it tonight. You're going to receive a text or a phone call or something to somebody reconnecting with you where there was once offense and once unforgiveness. And it's going to be a sign that God himself is going before the situation and working this out. He is the God of the universe. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your hearts. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for that. How many felt some type of physical presence of Jesus? Just, just show your hands. How many? Good. Good. Yay, Jesus. Praise God. How many feel that peace here that was here at the 9 a.m.? You just, like, right now, you just feel a blanket of peace. Like, like it just feels overwhelming. Like, it's the peace beyond understanding. It's the peace. Wow. This beautiful lady here has it. She's just dancing with Jesus. That's the peace of God. Yeah. Listen, I just want to... The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Today... I just want to send you in peace. Like, I feel there's a sense of peace here in both services because you're to be commissioned in peace today. You're to be sent in peace in your relationship and your issues, the circumstances that aren't favorable, the things that look hopeless, marriages, work issues, children issues, grandchildren issues, whatever it might be. I just I want you to go in peace. And his peace, I believe peace is the governing agent of heaven. Where there's peace, Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Peace is a sign that God's doing something. Peace is a sign. Okay. I'm really working on this, this ministry of reconciliation, seeing these Bengals jerseys in here right now. I'm working on my heart right now to forgive you. Aren't the Browns hot though? Love you guys. Have an amazing week.